Welcome to Spirit in Action. My name is Mark Helpsmeet. Each week, I'll be bringing you stories of people living lives of fruitful service, of peace, community, compassion, creative action, and progressive efforts. I'll be tracing the spiritual roots that support and nourish them in their service, hoping to inspire and encourage you to sink deep roots and produce sacred fruit in your own life. Let us sing this song for the dreaming of the world That we may dream as one With every voice, with every song We will move this world along Today, for Spirit in Action, we'll continue our conversation with Greg Artsner of Magpie. If you missed the first installment, you can find it at northernspiritradio.org. Greg Artsner and his partner Terry Leonino together perform as Magpie, creating and sharing music primarily aimed at improving our world, which is why Greg is with me here today. Peace, justice, care for all of our world, all of these are important themes you'll find in Magpie's music, but they also often incorporate deep themes of connection and spirituality in their music, which especially drew me to them. So let's continue this dialogue with Greg Artsner, looking for more of the music and means by which Magpie acts as a force for positive change in our world. But first, maybe some information on the nuts and bolts of Magpie's music would be a good place to start. I tend to think of the two of you, Greg, as folk musicians, and consequently I tend to think that you're not much into jazz, pop, blues, all of those types of music. Still, being the talented and versatile musicians that you are, I assume you can do the entire spectrum of that kind of music? Well, yeah, and as a matter of fact, we actually do a lot of swing tunes. We actually do a lot of swing music, mostly the old stuff, stuff from the 30s. And every now and then we'll take an old song that seems to be a good vehicle for some kind of a parody, and we'll change the words to fit something that we're working on. And blues is something that, and blues guitar style is something that I've studied and played all along, all, the, all through my years of playing. So I quite often will use those styles and those techniques in accompaniments and in songwriting. But yeah, I guess you could say that we're straight-ahead folk in the sense that we tend to record acoustic. We don't usually use electric instruments in the studio. Every now and then, we might actually have some electric instrument in the studio, but it's frankly, I can't even think of one we have. Stylistically, there's probably a lot more than you could squeeze into one program in terms of various genres of music that we do. What's the division in terms of songwriting or music playing between you and Terry? Well, we both write. I've written some songs and she's written some songs, but most of the writing that we've done for the last mm, 20 years of our career has been actual co-writing. We actually write the songs together. And a lot of times that means that we're in the car traveling in the car, we're hashing out lyrics together. You know, one of us is sitting there with the notebook taking it down and we're shooting ideas back and forth to each other. And then musically we'll sit down and set something like that to music together. In terms of uh, our original stuff versus the covers, we tend to be very selective about the covers that we choose, but we are definitely of the opinion that if the song deserves to be sung and it's, it's something that really says something well that we perhaps couldn't say uh, on our own or couldn't say that way or had just haven't said as well, we're going to sing it. There seems to be a move afoot among 
what we call folk musicians these days that they can only sing their own songs. You know, you don't do covers. You don't cover other people's material. And we think that that's a really wrong-headed approach in a lot of ways. Uh, it's not to say that people shouldn't sing their own, and if they're going to sing their own material, sing the majority of it, sure, that's fine. But the way I feel, I feel like Dick Gawkin feels about Dick Gawkin, the great Scottish folk singer. He mentioned this in one of his uh, liner notes uh, some years ago. He's talking about how wrong-headed it was, because if songwriters forever only sing their own songs, then songs will die with the singer. If you, as a performer, never do songs by other people, then what's going to become of all of those songs? Maybe some of them really aren't worth continuing on beyond the singer. But as a songwriter, I think everybody hopes that somebody's going to want to sing your song. I know that I feel I'm greatly honored if someone decides to sing a song that we wrote. I think it's a really uh, it's a great thing. It's uh, not just flattering, it's, it's honoring. You know, one of our songs, We Belong to the Earth, is something that a number of our colleagues in music have been performing over the years, and we're very gratified to know that. Well, is this appropriate time to listen to that? Can we share with the audience, We Belong to the Earth? Absolutely. For us, this is our spiritual honoring of the Earth song, our recognition that we are of the Earth, and that once we take that kind of a perspective, how we live on our planet, perhaps we'll treat it better. We belong to the Earth. We all belong to the Earth. It's not that she belongs to us. It's we belong to her. It's we belong to her. We belong to the earth. We all belong to the earth. It's not that she belongs to us. It's we that we didn't weave It's a web that we didn't weave And we belong to the earth We all belong to the earth It's not that she belongs to us It's we belong to her It's we In sun and in wind and in rain Is a seed of what will be It awakens a power that grows down below It courses through you and through me It courses through you and through me And we belong to the earth
our spirits take flight. We lay our bodies down, our ashes may be carried away on the wind, but we turn to the birthing ground. Return to the birthing ground, and we belong to the earth. We are Truly Said and Sung, We Belong to the Earth, by Magpie. We have with us here today for Spirit in Action, Greg Artsner. He and his partner Terry are Magpie. Their website is magpiemusic.com. By the way, one of the things I meant to ask you earlier, Greg, was which instruments each of you play? Are you both, you know, play 45 different instruments? Or sometimes I'll hear a flute in there, or it's a mandolin, or whatever. Who is that that I'm listening to? Well, uh, I play the guitar, and Terry plays the guitar. She plays the mandolin and the fretted dulcimer, the Appalachian dulcimer. And she also plays the harmonica. And then as far as the flute, you will hear the flute. On the Seed on the Prairie album, I play most of the flute. She plays flute on at least one track, and she plays the flute on our uh, Last Month of the Year album. So we both play Native American flute a little bit. And I also play English concertina, which uh, you'll hear every now and then on a track. And I have just taken up, just a few months ago, taken up the five-string banjo. So uh, in future recordings, people are going to get to hear me play the five-string banjo. It's coming along real well. I'm kind of surprised I didn't take it up earlier because I certainly have a real natural feel for it. I'm just enjoying the heck out of playing it. It's just really fun. Is a guitar an appropriate instrument for a protest demonstration situation, or is the banjo the better one? I imagine you might get some strong arguments from Pete Seeger about which is better. Well, I think they're both pretty ideal, but in some sense, the banjo might be a little bit more ideal, because the banjo is ever so slightly more impervious to bad weather. <laughs> if you have a, you know, if you have a synthetic head on the banjo, it's going to be, uh, it's also perhaps, if you have a good one, you know, and it's a nice loud instrument, it's a good loud instrument to sort of cut through the voices. But guitar is ideal too in the sense that it's portable. And, you know, you can stand up there and play it. Even if you only have one microphone, you, you know, the, uh, both those instruments will carry. You don't even have to have more than one microphone. Heck, you can play both those instruments into a bullhorn. <laughs> so the only issue with both of them really is inclement weather. You know, uh, if you don't have a cover for your stage or your platform, you might be in trouble. 
Do you have a sense of which environment, I mean, we were just talking about playing music at a protest or some kind of demonstration, but you've also had your work that you've been doing in schools. Do you have a sense of that it really made a difference, that you can see it working to change the world? Maybe this was the song that brought everybody together to stop the strip mining of this mountain or whatever. Or maybe it's the kid who went on to become something because of inspiration of your music. Do you have solid feels that all this work that you've been doing for so many decades has clearly borne fruit? Yes, yes we do. In fact, that very last thing you mentioned is one, just one. We actually had a a young fellow come up to us at a environmental conference. He and a couple of his friends... They actually they, they, they feigned worship. They actually got down on their knees in front of us and started bowing to us. And we said, get out, this is ridiculous. And the, the one fellow pulled up his uh, shirt sleeve and showed us where he'd actually had the turtle logo from the cover of our Living Planet CD tattooed on his upper arm. He had gone into an environmental science as a pursuit and had become an environmentalist and environmental activist as a direct result of listening to our music. Okay, well, now there's something. And I'll tell you two stories. One is Pete. There's a song that we wrote some years ago based on the work of the great civil rights leader, Ella Baker. It's a song called Give Light. The first verse is her words, basically set to music. She said in, in an interview, I suppose, talking about her philosophy of organizing, she, she said, give light and people will find the way. So we set that to music. Well, when we had Pete Seeger record that with us, and he was in the studio with us in Woodstock, and after he was done recording his part for the song, he sort of took Terry and I back into the back room and said, come on, Greg, I want to take that song down. So we went back into the back room, and he took out his famous 12-string guitar and flipped it over for a desk. And then he took the lyric sheet, flipped that over, and then he dashed off five lines, and then five lines, and then five lines, and five lines again until he'd written a score on the blank score on the back page. This guy actually can take down a tune. You know, because you can actually do that. <laughs> a lot of us folkies forget it. You know, we'll wait for the tape from the engineer. But Pete is going to take the song down by dictation. So he says, hum that tune for me. So we sit there and we, note by note, he painstakingly takes down the entire song by dictation. And I'm going, boy, this is it. You know, I'm thinking, I can die now. <laughs> you know, I've lived to see my childhood idol, my childhood hero, taking my song down by dictation. It doesn't get much better than that in life. Yeah, what an amazing thing to have a folk icon like Pete Seeger <laughs> taking down your music, your songs to pass on. I mean, that's isn't that better than winning a Grammy or anything? <laughs> You're darn right. As far as I'm concerned, it is. You know, I mean, I, I think it's certainly, you know, the Grammy's a wonderful thing, but... No, I'm more oriented toward this kind of a thing. You know, have somebody take my song down there and go off and teach it to people, as Pete would do. So, yeah, so that was a very, pretty fascinating thing. And the other thing that happened was uh, with that same song, a couple of years ago, we received an email from a woman in Manlius, New York, which is not too far from Syracuse. She's a Unitarian minister, and her husband is also a Unitarian minister. They traveled to Rwanda years after the uh, genocide there uh, between the Hutus and the Tutsis. And they were involved in the reconciliation and restoration projects. And they sang our song, Give Light, in various presentations at churches and coffee houses. 
but they also sang it in lots of other places throughout the country as a kind of a, uh, you know, an inspirational anthem that people could use to bring their spirits together. She wrote us this lengthy uh, email that she said she just wanted to let us know how your song has touched so many lives and a message of hope and promise. I can tell you that just the very thought of it just gives me shivers just to think about that. Those kinds of things happen to you. You just realize, well, you know, yeah, I must be doing something right. I may not be uh, all good. I may not be. <laughs> I may be uh, struggling myself, but there's something good coming out of what we do. You know, I was to Rwanda, I guess, almost three years ago myself, part of a Quaker folk dance group that we tour around the world, doing dances from different cultures, bringing them together in peace. So I had that experience. Well, with all that intro about the song Give Light, it would be a total pity if we didn't share it with our listeners. This is the song Give Light by Magpie, introduced to you here by Greg Artsner today for Spirit in Action. Good advice. Give light by Magpie. And what a great song, Greg. It does have that natural, easy-to-pick-up essence of popular folk songs, songs that everybody can sing during an action or protest or a demonstration. The way that We Shall Overcome can work for a crowd. 
and it's a zipper song like that where you can easily make up new one sentence verses building the song as you go so it's a great song and i predict a bright future for it and what i ultimately hope is that when i'm dead and gone that that song finds its way into the public domain because in fact i'm probably uh, as years go on i'll probably turn it over to the public domain foundation because i feel that the song really is is so far beyond us and it ought to be yeah that's great stuff well you and terry have been doing so much for so long you talked a little bit about how you got started back in the 60s vietnam war kicked you off were you an active anti-war participant? Were you in college? Did you do a deferment? What was your situation during the Vietnam War? During the war, I was in school. Of course, uh, in 1965, I was just 13. But by the time I graduated high school, I was 18. So, you know, I had to go down and register for the draft at the, at the post office. Now, during the the years leading up to that point, of course, I got like a lot of my friends, increasingly angry about the war and increasingly opposed to it. I was involved with my local groups who were organizing against it. We had demonstrations in my hometown, and I sang at the moratorium against the war in October of 1969 when I was 17. Then the following February, when I turned 18, I went down and registered for the draft. Now, as a result of various things going on, the music... Uh, pretty big in, a, in its impact on me. Songs from people like Phil Oakes, Peter Yarrow's song, The Great Mandela, other anti-war songs that I've been learning. So, you know, uh, Waist Deep in the Big Muddy by Pete Seeger. And, of course, a lot of other things. You know, my own spiritual studies. Uh, you know, I was really big into uh, The Prophet by Khalil Gibran, which was certainly a major inspiration to me. And other things that I've been studying. I, it just led me to... When I got to that form to register for the draft, and it had that one question right at the bottom of the page, do you wish to register as a conscientious objector? And uh, I just jumped right on that one. I said, absolutely, yes. And so that, of course, sent you through this process. They send you further materials. You know, the draft board would send you further materials. It was a really long application to apply for CO status. You know, I think there was, you know, five or six pages of essay questions that you had to fill out. You had to line up a whole list of references. I didn't really have sufficient references because I didn't really have any adult mentors or advisors or counselors who agreed with my position, even my, even the church, you know, the Catholic Church. I was in the Catholic Church at that time, and the Catholic Church was not uh, opposed to war. To this day, they still, they are certainly able to give a good lip service to peace, but you know, if it comes down to war, what they consider to be a just war, no, hey, war is okay with the Catholic Church, they have a history of it. So I couldn't really even, you know, cite my priests as a, as, of course I was really long gone from the Catholic Church by the time this happened, I pretty much stopped going to church when I was 13. But anyway... I registered as a CO, filled out the application, and then they made arrangements for me to come in and have my interview with the draft board. And I had to sit down there in that tiny little conference room with all eight members of the draft board, eight dour-looking men who looked as if they could they would rather be any place else in the world but in that room, asking these kinds of ridiculous hypothetical questions, trying to goad me into being a violent person and admit that I was a violent person. You know, admit that I would take up a gun. 
And you know, you can't do that if you're trying to become a conscientious objector, even if you, if, even if you're actually speaking falsehoods. So I basically held forth on my total pacifism, and they gave me CO status. When the draft switched over to uh, lottery, and I became actually eligible to be called up. I was called up. My number was 14, and I was called up for alternate service, which I did. I worked in hospitals, community hospitals, and nursing facilities for for two and a half years, required as a a CEO. And I tell you that probably uh, the song, the one song that had more impact on me than any of the others was a song by Phil Oakes called, Is There Anybody Here? Is there anybody here who'd like to change his clothes into a uniform? And Phil asks the hard questions. He goes through the whole litany of what it really means to be not just in the army or in the military, but to be a militarist. My whole feeling about it is that, you know, hey, people talk about supporting the troops. Well, I support the troops as human beings, but I certainly prefer that we don't have troops. My whole thing is, Call me one of those, call me a dreamer, you know. You, you may say that I'm a dreamer, well, I'm not the only one. But my dream has always been to have a world without militarism. That to me, militarism is the problem. Militarism is one of those self-perpetuating problems. That once one nation has a military and they use it, then the other nations have to have militaries and use them. My feeling is that whether you decide to be a person in the military or militarist, that's your choice. My whole point is, choose not to. And even in the case of selective service, we did have a choice. We just had to exercise that choice. There just were not enough of us who were actually willing to do that. And now, of course, in this nation, it's all a matter of choice. People are compelled by their circumstances to make the choice that perhaps is not as wise a choice as they ought to make. But I'm pretty strongly anti-militarist and anti-war. Yeah, so uh, a conscientious objection is uh, anyone that actually steps forward and claims conscientious objector status, as far as I'm concerned, they're heroes to me. They're stepping forward and and speaking their conscience and not caving in to pressure or to some myth of of glory and uh, national service. You know, there are many ways to serve your country. You don't have to join the military to serve your country. I just think that especially when you consider the history in my lifetime, the history of our nation, our national government, in terms of military adventurism around the world, that sort of of service, put that term in quotation marks, service to your country, is very, very wrong-headed, very dangerous, very short-sighted. It would be very wise, it seems to me, for any young person considering entry into the military to listen to Phil Oak's song and try to really seriously answer the questions that he poses in the, in the song. And call, is there anybody here? Is there anybody here who'd like to change his clothes into a uniform? Is there anybody here who thinks they're only serving on a raging storm? Is there anybody here with glory in his eye, loyal to the end whose duty is to die? I want to see him, I want to wish him luck, I want to shake his hand, want to call his name, put a medal on the man. Is there 
would like to wrap a flag around an early grave. Is there anybody here who thinks they're standing taller on a battle wave? Is there anybody here who'd like to do his part? Soldier to the world and a hero to his heart. I want to see him. I want to wish him luck. I want to shake his hand. Gonna call his name. Put a medal on the man. Is there anybody here proud of the parade? Who'd like to give a cheer and show they're not afraid? I'd like to ask him what he's trying to defend. I'd like to ask him what he thinks he's gonna win. Is there anybody here who thinks that following the orders takes away the blame? Is there anybody here who wouldn't mind a murder by another name? Is there anybody here whose pride is on the line for the honor of the brave and the courage of the blind? I He's trying to defend I'd like to ask him What he thinks he's gonna win Is there anybody here Who thinks that following the orders Takes away the blame Is there anybody here Who wouldn't mind A murder by another name Is there anybody here Whose pride is on the line For the honor of the brave I want to see him, I want to wish him luck, I want to shake his hand, gonna call his name, put a medal on the man. was Is There Anybody Here, performed by Magpie. Of course, it's Phil Oak's song. You can find it on Magpie's CD, In This World. Again, their site is magpiemusic.com. We've had Greg Artsner here with us today for Spirit in Action. Greg, you know, one thing you mentioned about giving options, I want to share a little story from my experience. Of course, my son has been raised Quaker, and so he had an environment, I think, which led him early on to be predisposed. He, mind you, he went through his own decision-making on this about whether he was a pacifist or not. But in eighth grade, his teacher for civic social studies, they agreed as a class they were going to prepare a big quilt with a, a block on it recognizing someone for their military service. And every student in there was supposed to interview a friend, a neighbor, a relative who had served in the military. So my son came home with this, and my son was a very quiet, timid kind of person, very dutiful in school, but 
he was deeply bothered by this, and it bothered him to a great enough degree that he brought it up with me. Normally, he would just obey whatever a teacher told him to do. And he brought it up to me, and he said, you know, I don't think I should do this because that would be glorifying the military, which I don't want to do. I convinced him that he should talk to his teacher, look for an alternative, and the alternative that they came up with in this big square from his class, recognize all the military, he made a square in there for me recognizing my service to my nation as when I was in the Peace Corps. And so, along with all these military images, there's a guy in Africa working with the people. Uh, it, it felt to me like a, a great success, and I felt like my son had done the work. He didn't just parrot me and he didn't parrot the teacher. He said, what can I do in good integrity? And I kind of wish that you had had someone like that in your life. You know, you said the priests and you didn't know anyone who you could turn to for support. And I just kind of wish you had had that. And I guess you've probably been that for a lot of other people through your music. Yeah. Well, I certainly... I would certainly hope that I have been that for other people, and I certainly want to be that that advocate, that support for other young people now who are trying to make that decision, or possibly making that decision. Yeah, I in those days, it was kind of a lonely thing in my little town of Canton, Ohio. There really was nobody that I could that I could actually rely on for that, and no one that I knew. I was really on my own. You know, the good news was that it actually came out in my favor. That I ended up doing what I considered to be the honorable thing, because I, although I didn't, I had questions about. I was conflicted about the very idea of the nation requiring me to uh, serve in any capacity. Shouldn't that be my choice? There are some people who said, "Now nah, forget CO status, just leave the country," because that's the only really truly honorable way to do it. And I said, "Well, I don't know. I mean, I really kind of disagree with that." I didn't have a problem with the idea of serving my country or my world. And I don't have any trouble serving people. I think that the idea of serving was a, was a brilliant idea. And I think that everyone should do something good. But the question of it being acquired by the draft, was that, that's, a, that's a, definitely a question. But if you are going to accept that at some point in your life, the government can in fact compel you to serve in one form or another and you have the choice seems to me that now there are questions that need to be answered and you need to be able to get the answers to those the true answers to those questions you know if you talk to military recruiters they're just going to tell you uh, you know they're going to they're basically going to give you the song and dance now there are some things that they cannot lie to you about but the but the fact of the matter is that they're going to give you a much rosier picture of the possibilities in military service than what is actually really true. And as a result, young men and now young women are going off to war and coming back dead or maimed. And then, of course, in so doing, they end up having to kill other people. And why? You know, what's the, what's the reason? One of the most compelling questions in Phil's song is, who would mind a murder by another name? And that, to me, is just a very is a very compelling question. What is it about having the government hand you a gun and telling you to go and kill someone that you didn't know, that you don't know, just because they claim that that person is the enemy? Now, if the if the enemy 
if a person was your enemy, clearly stood before you as an enemy, came to you as an enemy, then it seems to me that it's, a, it's an appropriate response for you to take measures in self-defense or in the defense of those around you, those who are members of your family, those who are members of your community. But to just go to some other place in the world and kill people because the government claims that they are the enemy, that is entirely wrong, as far as I'm concerned. That is immoral. And uh, just because my government says that these people are the enemy doesn't mean a thing to me. I have lived long enough to see my government lie to me and to my country, to other people in my country, to the rest of my nation, and to the world again and again and again. So if they say something like that, they claim enemy status for some other nation or some other group of people in the world, I'm going to be extremely suspicious. And I'm going to go and research the situation before I in any way agree with what they do. And I think that's an entirely appropriate response. You know, you just cannot be a jingoistic patriot. Who was it that said, I think it might have been Thomas Paine, or maybe it was Edward Abbey who said that the, the patriot must defend his country against its government. That's what we do. You know, that's what we conscientious objectors and we war protesters do. We stand up and we say, war is a reality in our world, but we have to do everything we can to stop war, prevent war, and part of that is questioning what our government claims as the basis for war action, military action in the world. And I'll never give that up. That's just, that's absolutely basic, it seems to me. It is completely basic. And obviously you and I are on that very same page. And your music has spoken so eloquently to me and to many other people. Uh, we're just about out of time. Is there one more song that you want to send us off with from this edition of Spirit in Action? I really thank you for joining me, sharing your music, doing this work for decades now. Really, your music is, I think, transformational. I really enjoy your stories of the people who have been affected by it. Can you give us one more piece of music to send us out with? I thank you so much for joining us. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you so much for having us. Well, you know, Living Planet, that is the Living Planet album, which uh, we recorded back in 1989, ends with a song that sort of encompasses all of these things. The title song, Living Planet. It's not just about the Earth as a concern, but it's about freedom, justice, and peace. So I think Living Planet would probably be the good song to end with. And from that album, uh, we sing it on the album with our good friend Pat Humphreys, who was the one who taught it to us. So, last song, chosen by Greg Artsner of Magpie, will play for you Living Planet, title track of Living Planet. Thank you again, Greg, for joining me for Spirit in Action. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mark. If all the world were peaceful now and forevermore, Peaceful at the surface and peaceful at the core. Then all the joy within my heart would be so free to soar. And we're living on a living planet, circling a living star. I don't know where we're going. But I know we're 
far And we can change the universe By being who we are And we're living on a living planet Circling a living star If all the world knew justice now And forevermore Justice at the surface And justice at the core Then all the joy within my heart Would be so free to soar And we're living on a living planet Circling a living star I don't know where we're going, but I know we're going far. And we can change the universe by being who we are. And we're living on a living planet, circling a living star. If all the world knew freedom now and forevermore, freedom at the surface and freedom at the core, then all the joy within my heart would be so free to soar. And we're living on a living planet circling a living star i don't know where we're going but i know we're going far and we can change the universe by being who we are and we're living on a living planet circling a living star If Mother Earth were honored now and forevermore, honored at the surface and honored at the core, then all the joy within my heart would be so free to soar, and we're living on a living planet. Circling a living star I don't know where we're going But I know we've gone too far And we can heal this planet By changing the way we are Time to heal this living planet Living Planet from Magpie CD by the same name. Since I have a few minutes left and it's an interviewer's prerogative, I'm going to slip in one more Magpie song. Since it highlights a portion of the work that Magpie does that we've only mentioned in passing during the interview, if you go to Greg and Terry's website, magpiemusic.com, you'll find info on a one-act play that they've co-authored called John Brown, Sword of the Spirit. I want to send you off with the song used in the John Brown saga about the personal consequences endured by some of those who escaped from slavery.
Heaven is Less Than Fair by Magpie.
The theme music for this program is Turning of the World, performed by Sarah Thompson. This Spirit in Action program is an effort of Northern Spirit Radio. You can listen to our programs and find links and information about us and our guests on our website, northernspiritradio.org. Thank you for listening. I am your host, Mark Helpsmeet, and I welcome your comments and stories of those leading lives of spiritual fruit. May you find deep roots to support you and grow steadily toward the light. This is Spirit in Action. With every voice.